Welcome to the Baxter Bowman Podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's podcast is part of the Hunt Elk in 2020 series, where I walk my friend and new bow hunter Josh through what he needs to know for his first over-the-counter public land bow hunt. It's based on everything I learned that made me successful for three out of the first four years I bow hunted elk. I've found that I'm learning just as much as he is from this process, and I hope you do too. Well, hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, Baxter here again today with Josh. Josh, you had a pretty fun experience shooting your bow yesterday. You want to tell the folks what happened? I did. I shot, so I have three arrows left because the other two are broken, or other three are broken, and then I was on my third one, and then the arrow just exploded coming out of the bow, and I was like, what the hell? That was super weird. That's never happened to me. I um, have no idea why. Well, I guess I know why the structural integrity of the arrow must, something must have been wrong. But um, yeah, scary moment there. Yeah, it's real scary. Got to gotta flex those arrows, got to test them. But everybody goes through that once and then they're like, oh man, not shooting many groups and I'm flexing them. So yeah, it's probably because probably I shot groups a long time ago. I don't know. Eventually that, I mean, they're really, really cheap arrows too. So yeah, yeah. now I'm down well, to two. Yeah, well, well, we'll build your arrows as per last week's podcast, but uh, <laughs> it's high time for you to get some. Yeah. Um, but we got a really fun one this week. This is, uh, man, we're just doing a lot of this gear stuff and it gets really dense, but I think it's it's really good for you to to learn and just makes a big difference in the day-to-day. But today is tents, shelters and tents. Um, so really exciting stuff. We're talking about types of shelters, pros and cons of each, what really matters in a tent, what doesn't. And then my personal rec. So kind of the same structure as the others, but uh, just the deep dive. Awesome. Yeah. Super excited about this one. I've only used two tent, two different kinds of tents before. One is like super heavy, giant four person car camping tent. I'm taking it. I have taken it backpacking like twice, which was miserable. Um, and then my, the tent I have right now, which is, which I really like just a little heavy though. Yeah, totally. And it's, you know, I think that's another really good thing to specify here. We're talking like backcountry backpacking tents, right? Um, because mm-hmm. if you're just getting a tent, you can go down to Walmart and pick up a forty, fifty, sixty dollar, you know, ten man kind of thing and throw it at your campsite and you're good to go. Like there's yeah. really not anything that matters there. You can get a wall tent for packing in, that sort of thing. But there's you know, this is this is where weight is a really big concern because you're carrying it on your back. That's the kind mm-hmm. of stuff we're talking about today. Got it. Backcountry shelter system. Backcountry shelter stuff. So maybe we start a little bit with like the categories. So a lot of guys when they you know, when they talk about this, they go, Oh, I need a tent. And that is still my recommendation spoiler alert for most guys, but there are a lot of different options. So maybe we talk like categories of tents and then there's like literally 20 different types of shelters. So we can talk a little bit about all those. Yeah. Sounds good. How many different kinds of types are there? Well, there's really like, this is my categorization, but there's really like four or five you know, types of tents um, or categories. I'd say one is like a fully enclosed tent. Mm-hmm. So this is something that's like supported by poles, whether those come with a tent or it's trekking poles, that sort of thing. Um, so it's majority of it support, supported by that. Um, and maybe stakes and lines as well. But the difference is that it's a hundred percent enclosed, like a mosquito couldn't get into it, right? It's fully, whether it's mesh or a waterproof bottom, it's just a sealed unit. Makes okay. sense. Yeah. And those are probably the kinds of tents that most people are thinking about when they mm-hmm. picture a tent, right? Totally. And there's, okay. 
there's two variations here. There's a double wall and a single wall tent, which we can talk about um, in a minute. And there's a big difference between those two. Um, and then there's floorless shelters, which is anything that doesn't have a floor. Mm-hmm. And usually they may or may not have a wall. Um, so that's another category in my mind. That's like, there's there's tents that don't have those. There's teepees you see. There's tarps. A lot of guys have kind of these tarp tents or just a straight tarp. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a million different variations of that. But you're either missing a floor, you're missing a wall. So it's not 100% sealed from the elements, right? You got one side of it that's open. Mm-hmm. Um, there's bivy sacks. So that's literally just like a giant sack, like your sleeping bag. That's like waterproof. And that is your shelter. Okay. Um, that came from mountaineering, actually. A lot of guys, you know, bivouac, they go up and they they just sleep through the night in this little sack that's waterproof, keeps them warm. Right. Okay. Um, pretty intense, not great fit with hunting, but we can talk about that in a minute. And then uh, hammocks. I actually use a lot of these for lightweight backpacking. They're great, but they are freaking cold. <laughs> uh, so they're not at recommendation for hunting. Um, and then we already talked about not covering like wall tents and camp tents and that sort of stuff. So there's there's like a trillion different types of these things. Um, as we talked about before, I've been backpacking for over 25 years now. So you're, the typical progression you'll see for a guy is they start out with a tent. Then a few years into it, they're like, oh man, all the other backpackers are doing this really cool thing where they're saving weight by going with these other options. They go experiment with those. And then in my case, you go elk hunting and you're like, oh, that doesn't work so well for elk hunting. (laughs) (laughs) So I've kind of done the full range of all these different things, played with it. More than any other part of gear we're talking about here, there's, there's more good answers than anywhere else. A lot of places I'm like, no, 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 like this is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and I never try to say something's universal because there's always exceptions, but like here, there's a lot of different good answers. Okay. So that, that should be good news to most guys, right? There could be a lot of good options to choose from. So maybe they can catch one on sale or something like that. And yeah, find a good totally. One. And so let's, uh, maybe we talk about like the, the fully enclosed tents and then we, and we just go down the list again, like the subtypes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so with tents, there's a single wall or a double wall tent. Double wall tent is what most guys are familiar with, which is there's like the interior tent with the mesh usually, right? Mm -hmm. And they usually have what's called a bucket bottom, which is a waterproof bucket on the bottom of the tent. And then they've got a rain fly. So like that's the second wall. That's the thing that goes over the top of it, right? So you have a little separation between those two. And the the key, that's going to be one of the heaviest, right? Heaviest is a relative term, like ultralight backpacking gear here has gotten really, really light but of the options that's going to be one of the heavier options but it's going to be probably the one i'd recommend to most guys just because it's going to be the strongest it's going to have um, by far the most waterproofing and it's weather resistant and then it also doesn't suffer with condensation so you know condensation every night you go to sleep uh, there's water humidity in the air overnight it gets so cold it condenses is you've done this, you ever slept in a car, right? You've seen all these water droplets on the inside of the windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it all fogs up. Yeah. Well, you're backpacking in the summer. You're not really going to see a problem with that. But elk season, it's either such massive temperature changes in like September sort of time frame that you get a lot of condensation. And then you have a single wall tent, which is a tent where the rain fly and the tent body are all one. It's like all it is is just like the whole tent is made out of waterproof material. Mm-hmm there's going to be a ton of condensation on the inside of those things. Right. And if your sleeping bags, like touching it by your feet, then it's just going to get all soaked, right? Soak it. It's going to, it can drip on you in the night. If it's not made well, um, 
you double wall tents get condensation, but it's all on the rain fly. Yeah. If that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so those are kind of the two fully enclosed bits. And we'll talk more about like why I think those are great for 80, 90% of guys here in a bit, but we can go through the other types. Um, the floorless tents, you're going to see some of those. You guys, guys save a lot of weight on that. Uh, the, with all floorless shelters, one of the trends is that there's no structure there. So you're going to have to use a lot of lines or stakes, right? To mm -hmm. kind of hold it up. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's almost like you have a waterproof rectangle and then you got to figure out the structure to like keep it up. Yep. And some of them will come with, uh, you know, some of them will come with poles and that sort of thing, but almost always like one of the big reasons guys like to do this is they might have, um, what are those called? Like uh trekking poles, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of older guys really have benefits in those going downhill with their knees. Yeah. Part. And so if you're using trekking poles already, it's kind of nice to reuse them for your tent because then you're not carrying double poles. That makes sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Save on weight for sure. Yeah. So you see a lot of floorless tents. Um, teepees are really popular uh, now in backpacking, you know, the seek outside kind of thing. They, they have a really cool deal going, which is you can use like a lightweight titanium stove in some of those teepees. Whoa. Inside? Inside it, which is pretty, pretty amazing. So it's like the, if you're truly backpacking where you want to be ultra warm, um, that's an option. And then there's tarps, right? Which are just literally, you take a tarp and you put it over something. It shelters you. You can either put one wall down or something like that, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Um, to get you covered. So lots and lots of different options there. The, the downside of the floorless stuff is that, you know, there's no weather bug protection, right? So it's going to come in the side. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about that in the fully sealed tent. There's also like the the ego thing, which guys, it, it, it's just funny, like predators, right? You got big things walking around. You've got mountain mm -hmm. lions, you've got bears, um, lions and tigers and bears, right? But a lot of the time, even though it's all perception, like something could cut through the edge of your tent, no problem if it really wanted you. It just feels <laughs> safer to be in a tent versus something that's like open. Right. So it's something that's difficult. I think livable space is a big one cons of these things. So if you're, let's put it this way, you wake up in the morning, it's like five 30 or six typical elk morning. You want to be outside when it's dark to hear some bugles and then be ready to rumble. The second light comes up, you know, you've got to, you've got to get out of your sleeping bag to get dressed and do stuff. And if you have a structure that has a lot of poles, it can kind of hold those walls more upright. So you're going to have a bigger, pocket of air does that make sense yeah it makes sense you're not like putting on a shirt and like your elbows are running into the walls and it's hard to move around yeah exactly and so you're you know there's downsides with that right you, if you have a tarp tent it's kind of got these slanted um slanted walls and that sort of thing can be real pain so i'm trying not to digress too much as i talk about these types there's a million things i want to say as always but uh there's some little little painful bit, bits with these guys, um, mm -hmm. but they're going to be lighter, right? And that's why guys go for them. They're lighter. They might be a little less expensive because there's less material. You're picking up on a trend. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to like ultralight backpackers, non-hunters, uh, you're, you got some very different needs and maybe I should have started out with that, but you, know, one of the things you as a hunter have is like a weapon, right? You've got a lot of gear. You've got a bow, you've got a backpack, you've got binoculars, you've got a tripod, you've got just all this stuff, right? 
Mm-hmm. So not only are you concerned about protecting you, you're concerned about protecting a little bit of that, right? Right. So that's a big one. The other one you're concerned about is like, it's colder. It's way colder. I think most guys, you know, I, we're from California, right? But if you go backpacking in Yosemite in the summer, even at 9,000 feet, your low is like 40, 45 degrees, mm-hmm. something like that. But elk season, it's not uncommon, and even in September, to get like a 10-degree night. Dang, that's cold. Yeah, yeah, real cold. And uh, usually if you get that night, it comes with moisture. So all that together, it's a real big deal. Yeah, so it really sounds like the fully enclosed is probably the way to go. Probably, but we'll we'll keep going on all like the different things that matter um, for each of these, and we can really dig into them, show you what's what's going on. But I think my you know, my personal sleep mantra, my bias per se, is two things. Right, I want to have a system that keeps me out there, like it keeps me no matter what happens, big snowstorm, rain, all this stuff. I can stay out there, so I'm not burning all that effort hiking in and out. Mm-hmm. Right, and then two, I want something that I can sleep really well in. I was like, I really want to wake up the next morning and be refreshed. Elk hunting is really hard. And so getting bad sleep on top of that, like if you're backpacking, it's not that big of a deal. You take a nap during the middle of the day. But like, spoiler alert for the tactics section, I think the middle of the day is one of the best times to elk hunt. There's really no bad time to elk hunt. So, you know, if you want to take, I'd rather trade off an extra pound of weight or half pound of weight for another hour or two hunting a day, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, it depends on your individual strategy, but you're, we're digging into reasons you might see backpackers go for something like a, a tarp tent or a tarp, right? Is that mm-hmm. they're not concerned about those sorts of things that elk hunters are really that worried about, right? Yeah. I mean, if you get one bad night of sleep, oh, it could, that can ruin your next day. And then, and then they'll just keep stacking on top of each other. So if you're out there for multiple days, multiple nights of, bad sleep mm-hmm. man it can kill your spirits i bet it can yeah so those are those are the two types i'd say are probably the most common for uh that are possible for elk hunters um, and we'll talk about the limitations and other things here in a minute let's just knock out the other two or three that just don't apply bivy sacks they're pretty light that's the benefit but you basically have no room in there for your gear you have basically no room for you <laughs> like <laughs> you're staring at a wall six inches away um zero livable space to get dressed in the morning. You know, it's rainier, it's wet. Like there's no room to dry out or keep your stuff. Like it's just bad. Um, and so the, really the only time you might see a guy carry a bivy is if he's got a floor the shelter or a tarp and he carries it in combination with that. Cause he wants uh, to, you know, keep stuff off the ground, keep mm-hmm. it wet or dry. A lot of guys use their sleeping pad for that, but some might carry that too. But I think unless you really have a unique situation or a hundred percent about, low weight i just don't think a bivy sack is a great option yeah do some hunters use bivy sacks i've i mean i've seen very very few i think i've heard of one ever oh wow okay because uh, tarps you get pretty much the same amount of protection from like a light tarp tent so if some guy's going to really compromise he might he'll probably go that route instead gotcha hammocks then, talked about that no go just have using. you have you ever heard of a, a hunter using a hammock uh well i use them all the time for backpacking Mm-hmm. They're kind but of not fun. for hunting. Yeah. One of the biggest considerations, which we'll dig into more later too, is like where you can camp with your hunting style. Are you trying to camp up on a ridge and you can't find a flat spot? Are you trying to camp down in a valley near water where it's lots of condensation? 
But uh, the, the thing about a hammock that's amazing is you just find two trees in your set. Yeah, I've actually never slept in a hammock. Is it comfortable? Yeah, you really, there's an art to like how much tension you have to put on that thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if you're jackknifed or not. My sister, believe it or not, slept in a hammock for two years straight. What? We put one in her, uh, in her apartment at school. Um, and slept in it every night, which is no really because, like, no matter where you are, you always sleep the same. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I would think it's like, for some reason, I would think it's like bad for your back or something. Yeah. Not if you get enough tension on it. But the, the fundamental problem with a hammock is that you've got no insulation below you. Yeah. Right? Even if you put a insulated sleeping pad underneath you, which you still need to do, you're, it's still not going to be great. And so it's just cold. They're just straight cold. She runs unordinately hot right we're going to talk about sleeping bags and other things and personal stuff but like she's she's like always warm she'll be that person outside in a t-shirt and 20 degree temps <laughs> be like i'm great um so that's kind of where that came from but yeah so i've seen seen guys try it i would never recommend it for someone hunting in september unless you've got 20 years of backcountry experience and know your stuff but yeah yeah certainly there so those are kind of the general that's like the general lay of the land um and again, I think a lot of recommendations, it's about like what works for most folks. And then it's always about your unique situation. So you're like, how, how long have you been backpacking and doing that sort of thing? Uh, let me think my first backpacking trip, I've been car camping since I was a kid. Um, so that would be, but backpacking my first trip was like in high school. Yeah. Um, so not, not that long, seven, eight years or so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you've done a little bit, but like you're pretty, you're fairly comfortable in the backcountry, right? Like you're not worried about dying or anything (laughs) yeah i've gotten a lot more comfortable this last year um especially after turkey season like the last trip i went turkey season um a couple weekends ago three days two nights super comfortable it was was the most comfortable i've ever been Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean i guess i was i was spending every weekend out there practically so yeah Yeah, totally and it's it's about that right like a lot of the compromises you can make in a shelter uh depend on your experience and your comfort level Mm-hmm. But just to put numbers on this, like a typical one-man shelter, the lightest ones you're going to buy that are fully featured are around like two pounds. You know, uh, for a double wall tent, mm-hmm. for a two-person, it's like three pounds. And it, when you're talking about a tarp or something like that, you're saving about like a half a pound to a pound. Okay. So it's not. It's really not a ton of weight. Um, I mean, it's definitely there, but it's not like you're saving four or five pounds, right? Which would make some of these things a lot more interesting. Yeah. So if you go for a tarp, you're cutting about 25% the weight off your shelter system, but sounds like you're going to really compromise comfort and sleep quality. Yeah, totally. And you know, it also depends on where you're hunting with this stuff. And we can talk about that here in a second with like support systems, but you know, if you're up at Alpine stuff, tree line and archery, like you're up high, it's you, the general rule of thumb is five degrees of temperature change per thousand feet. Mm-hmm. So if you're up at nine, 10,000 feet, 11,000 feet in Colorado, it could be 15 degrees colder. You're way more exposed to, to winds. Winds are way higher at altitude too. Um, versus like some guys might be, you know, just seven, 8,000 feet down in valleys. There's, there's just a lot of things that really weigh in on their decision, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, one of these things that I always talk about too with the tents, and we can kind of dig into each aspect of them and what's important but it's the support system, like what keeps it off the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's really, even among tents, there's th- like largely three types of shelters. There's freestanding shelters, 
which means like the structure it's got, like you could just pick it up and set it on concrete and it would stay upright. Oh, I think that's what I have. Yeah, exactly. Most, most tents people think of are freestanding, right? Okay. But there are some tents that are like semi-freestanding, which means the, there's poles for them, but like you've got to stake out one end of the tent or it collapses. Okay. That makes sense. And then yeah. there's like the tarps, which are completely unsupported, right? You have to have stakes and lines to like tie them down because they're just not going to work at all. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there's like one pole holding up the center of the tent or something, but it's there's without tie downs, there's no structure. Yeah. Now, this is a, the danger of these is I'm coming off is too dry. But the reason this matters, like why, why are we talking about this is that selecting your campsite um, isn't always easy, right? Mm-hmm. So you might find a ridge and it's really stinking awesome, but it's all rock, right? Mm-hmm. So putting stakes in the ground and if there's no trees around tying off to a tree now became a really big problem. Right. Right. And so you're going, Oh man, I want to camp here, but I can't. Right. So you got to think about like your style and where you're going because it will, the, the shelter you have to, can also fundamentally limit your options of where you can camp. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that kind of limits your options of where you can hunt. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons I'm also a big proponent of like of a freestanding tent for guys is that, you know, if you're doing the style of hunting, which I really like, which is moving with the shelter on your back or even the hybrid I've talked about where you camp and then hang out for a little bit um, before evening, like it's just so much easier to find a spot that works with the tent. Right? right. So it gives you more options, I guess. Yeah. It gives you a lot more options at campsite, um, which is, which is really important. And then, that also feeds into the biggie. Like this is probably the number one question guys have with tent. Like, do I buy a one person or do I buy a two person tent? Yes. Right. And like, what, I know you've already got one. Like what size is the one you got? It's a two person. And yeah, that is a big question. Cause I like having to put my backpack inside. And when I went Mm -hmm. turkey hunting, I put my shotgun inside. My, my, my boots can go inside. It's easy to change. My clothes can just be in a pile in the corner. (laughs) It's kind of nice. Yep. And that's, that's super nice. The only downside, you haven't really been to elk country with it much yet. Mm -hmm. Right. But the only downside is footprint size. Yeah. It's weight and footprint size. So the bigger your tent, the heavier it is obviously, but whatever, uh, you know that, but it's more like with a two man tent, you're going to need somewhere that's like, you know, say 10 by five of flat ground, right. Mm -hmm. Versus a one person tent, you might need it's still the same length, 10 or something like that, but maybe only three or four. Right. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but that difference of finding a flat spot in elk country can be a big difference. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it can be the difference between getting a spot or not. And you know, one story I like to tell on this one is we were up on a ridge. Um, Margaret and I won this was two years ago, three years ago, and a storm was coming in. And the spot we were at, we knew it was too exposed. And we mm-hmm. went and looked around on this ridge for like 20 minutes. And we literally figured out, hey, we've got to dig a campsite. There's nowhere flat. Whoa. And so we kicked, you know, using our super stiff boots, which is one benefit of those that I don't really cover in the boot guide. Is <laughs> <laughs> like we literally kicked out a flat area out of the loam, kind of back in the trees on the ridge. Mm-hmm. We knew I could sense the storm was coming. And that night we got hit with eight inches of snow and like 60 mile an hour winds. Damn. So it was game changer that we were in the trees. We probably would have had the tent blow in. I was already holding it up a few times. It was a strong, strong tent, which we'll talk about in a minute. 
but uh that kind of weather happens in elk country like that can that can snail you like just drill you so if it had just been a one-man tent me i could have found a spot instantly but two-man tent it took us like 25 30 minutes to kick that spot out yeah uh trust me it was worth it but you don't want to do that every night right right yeah every night dig a hole to sleep in <laughs> yeah. sound fun especially after a whole day of hunting yep totally and before i get too deep in the two-man versus one-man thing like the other thing for guys that haven't been familiar with backpacking tents is that two-man tent is also like the world's greatest exaggeration for a lot of backpacking tents (laughs) (laughs) they're how should we say optimistic Mm -hmm. about two guys fitting into an average two-man tent uh so if guys do go that route like no it's it's like a widely known thing that two-man tents aren't necessarily gonna fit two full-grown men Mm -hmm. (laughs) we two small dudes or like a dude and a child but like always always check that (laughs) yeah very true because uh when i go camping with my friends or a friend then when they sleep on the other side like they move a little bit and like you're feeling it like they're bumping up against you (laughs) they're touching you yeah yeah you're basically snuggling in there yeah and i have the uh the big agnes one i absolutely love which we'll talk about rex at the end but uh it's already pretty wide for a two-man and Mm -hmm. i have a wide pad and margaret has a regular pad and there's literally half an inch left in the tent like if she had a wide pad it wouldn't fit (laughs) oh yeah yeah, me and my brother. He has a wide one, and it's they're just right next to each other. We just we fill the entire tent with thing. just two pads. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have two guys with two wide pads, you now have a problem in most two man tents. So it's just mm-hmm. a good thing for because guys will see like, well, why are a lot of people buying three man? It's not like three people go together. Mm-hmm. It's because oh, three man really gives you roomy space for two man. Yeah. Um, there's not like a straight delineation between the two. Um. But yeah, so if you're making that difficult decision of like, do I buy the one? Do I buy the two? I mean, again, it goes comes down to you're going to use it. Are you going with a partner that you feel comfortable sleeping with? But I almost always push guys towards the one-man tent mm-hmm. because you, at the end of the day, if you've got less weight, you got like a pound less weight, you've got smaller pack size, you got a way smaller footprint, it's easier to do. Like that's better. It's just far better, right? And they're a little cheaper. And at the end of the day, if you've got a buddy that's going with you, like, can you both have one man tents? You can just say, screw it. We're going to camp next to each other. Gotcha. Yeah. It's only going to be about a half pound weight penalty. Right. And it's probably easier to find two smaller areas to, to stake out your tent for smaller pieces than one big flat area. Yeah. That's generally it. And yeah, I mean, I think it's just easier, right? That's, Mm -hmm. that's it. And if you've got the money, like both is a great option right? That's always the answer to this stuff. Yes. <laughs> like yeah. you can have all the different options, like in a perfect world, like I would, you know, if you've got good weather information, like weather up to the minute, weather info is a game changer in elk country. Cause you can make a lot of different calls on clothing and tents and like stuff you need. Right. But mm-hmm. you could have a bivy tarp and ultralight set up for like the first week of September. And you know, it's 80 degrees during the day and there's no storms coming. That's fine great setup but like you can honestly just sleep outside like i don't even take a tarp sometimes just sleeping bag on a sleeping pad just on the dirt on the dirt right Dang, i've never done that cowboy totally. stuff out. yeah and you just dumped a few pounds right mm-hmm. um you're trust me if you're not familiar with the outdoors you're not going to sleep that well because you're going to be worried about some wolf jumping on your throat especially now or, or a tarantula like crawling and end up eating it while you're sleeping yeah, fortunately, not many of those in elk territory, unless you're in like New Mexico, Arizona. But yeah, um, 
you know, there's options for that. And then if there's a storm coming, I take the double wall 10, right? So it, mm-hmm. there's always better to have more, but I say get the one man and then you always have that option. And then you can pick up a two man later with a buddy yeah, or significant other, right? But mm-hmm. uh, like, for example, this year with the kid coming, Margaret's not going to be hunting with me. So I'm back to my one man days. I've got my one man tent. Right. Yeah. You're going to try to bum off me, I think, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we, we can talk about that later. <laughs> but yeah, that's crazy. might be the last time you go solo, huh? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it because it's like, a, you know, for example, the year I didn't get an elk, I turned down probably five, five to 10 opportunities to try to give her a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like I was the happiest I've ever been was seeing her. She had this one time where we called in an elk or she got within 20 yards of a cow on this trail and like almost got the shot. And then I managed to call it in five other times. And it was like running wow. within 20 or 30 yards of her. I lost caffeine. It was a really great one for that mm-hmm. situation. Um, and it, just to see like the look on her face of like pure excitement was, it was like her heart, she's like shaking, right? Yeah. It's just one of the most intense things you can ever experience. Um, so I love that. And like, don't get me wrong. It's amazing. But like the freedom how hard and fast I know I can go solo. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty exciting to think about this area. I've hunted with her for two or three years. And I know places I can go and I haven't been. So I think yeah. both approaches are fantastic when we talk solo versus partner. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's going to be really an interesting year with that, right? Very different yeah. choices. Super cool. For me. I'm hoping you just get an elk on day two and then come find me. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, you know, if they... If history bears out, right? Every elk's been within like one to three days. So we'll see. But uh, um, problem with the raghorns, they just taste so good. You know, can't, can't pass them up. Uh, but yeah, back to tents. The uh, some other like pointers for guys on on tents, like so capacity one or two man. That's up to you. Like I think the thing, the most underrated thing about your tent is like the size, like the livability aspects of it. Mm-hmm. People don't really think about a lot of the little details and they make a big difference as far as like comfort. Uh, so you already talked about, Hey, it's kind of nice to have the two man because I can put my gear indoors. But the other option um, for you to do is to put your gear under the vestibule of the tent. Yes. And that's basically that area under the rain fly, but not inside of the like mesh tent. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. definitely done that. And so a lot of ultralight backpacking tents, one of the heaviest thing is the fly. So they really minimize that vestibule, vestibule size, mm-hmm. right? And that's super critical because you, you're going to want your boots to be out there totally dry. You're going to want your backpack to be there dry. You're going to want your bow to be there dry. And trust me, you kind of stack them all on each other anyway. But like, especially if you've got two people in a tent, you need a ton of vestibule space for all your stuff on the outside, right? Yeah. And I would be lying if I said that I've never peed on like the opposite vestibule where I like, I didn't keep my stuff. <laughs> Middle of the night. Yeah. I like, yeah. Josh, I love that you have no ego. You're like, yeah, I was afraid <laughs> I peed <laughs> under the opposite vestibule. No, we've all, we've all been there. Actually, honestly, great tip for that one. Um, the Ziploc bag, gallon Ziploc bag mm-hmm. or a Nalgene bottle, especially yeah, for I've, older guys. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've never done the Ziploc bag, but I have done the bottle. It's a lot lighter than the Nalgene bottle. <laughs> How bad do you want it? Um, no, my uh, Margaret does that, actually. Mm-hmm. Wife. This poor, poor woman. There's so many TMI moments on this podcast, but uh, <laughs> I'm hoping she doesn't listen to too many of them. Uh, but that's you know that's a good strategy. Dump it out in the morning. You don't have to yeah. be outside. You don't have to get cold. 
um, for guys that sense. can't make it through the night, that's that really can be a game changer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, back onto the livability, like that vestibule size is so key, right? And there's a lot of ultralight versions that have one vestibule for two people, or even if you are one person, they have a super small vestibule. Like, you gotta check that out. Yeah, especially for elk hunters, right? Like, you gotta mm-hmm. have that space. The height and the wall shape of it, we talked a little bit about that. But if you got a super angled tent, you can't. If it's too small in height, you actually can't even sit up. Which yeah, like one of my, that would be annoying. Oh man, that's one of my pet peeves. That is, there's nothing worse than like trying to get your pants on in the morning. It's 20 degrees, you're freezing and like shuffling around. Yeah, and we're both tall too, so like having to be like like just crunched down like with yep. bad posture for the whole time would just suck. Yep, totally. And then it, it goes with the wall shape too, right? If it's got a high, like a high top, but if the walls are super slanted, there's very little livable space in there versus if again, they're mm-hmm. vertical, you get a ton of room, especially right. with two people where you got to sit up side by side. Like a lot of two man tents are such slanted walls that one person can sit up in the middle of them, <laughs> but two people can't sit up side by side, right? You yeah. Can, yeah. No, that is, that's bad. So two things to check out doors, right? This almost always goes with vestibules there's single door options and there's double door options. Um, and if you've got a single door, it almost always has a single small vestibule. Mm-hmm. Right. And the other thing about a single door is it's always going to be at the head of the tent or the foot of the tent. Oh, okay. And so you, know, one of my tips for backpacking is always set your, your tent up angled, like ever so slightly uphill. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that, but that actually takes a lot. If you look at your body, it's for most people is generally kind of a V. Mm-hmm. right or it's like an eye you've got width at your hips and your shoulders mm-hmm. and your feet are the narrowest part if you're lying on your side right so if it's if you're lying flat you actually have two really big pressure points on those two parts versus if you're lying slightly uphill you transfer a lot of that weight onto the side of your legs mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah and a little sense. bit off of your shoulders and so you actually get a lot less pressure points and pain oh okay so slightly uphill and obviously keeping your head on the uphill part or like yeah. the highest part. And so what happens is if you got this one door at your head or your foot, now you've got this thing where you got to slide up to your door. Oh. <laughs> doors uphill, you got to do a crunch the entire time you put your boots on, mm-hmm. right? Your stuff is in your way. Um or if it's the opposite way going downhill, you're uh you're not at the wide end of the tent. Yes, yeah. it's not a big of a deal with a one man tent, like you can kind of get away with it, but with a two man tent, oh, now it's a pain in the butt. Right, because gotcha. you got a guy in the way. The other person can't do anything when someone's in the entrance. There's not enough room. Oh yeah, I've never been in a two-man tent with just one door. Yeah. Um. And so with one a one-man tent, the the door's always at the head or the foot. Is it ever? It's never on the side. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, oh, you okay. can find some of them, but it's pretty rare. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and it's most you'll notice that most tents these days, a lot of these things I'm talking about too are from like the olden days, haha, uh, mm-hmm. where 10, 20 years ago, they'd have a lot of options. Folks have started to figure out, hey, you need big vestibules. You need, well, not really because it's not for hunters, but they have two, you need two doors. You need a good wall shape. You need good height, right? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to see many like this, but guys will often see an ultra, ultra light version and they're like, oh, sweet, I should do that. And I'm like, that's good if you realize what you're going to be dealing with, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, it's only you know, three or four ounces you're going to save for those versions, and there's a lot of painful trade-offs. Ventilation, we talked about that, but it's a lot of tents, you kind of want a little something to open up ventilation. Mm-hmm. You can stake your fly higher or close, you know, closer down to the ground if you want. 
less ventilation and more weather protection, something to do. Yeah, we already talked about footprint size and that sort of thing, but yeah, that's kind of, those are some of the considerations, like the little details, right? When you're looking at different options. Yeah. Now, in terms of the footprint, do tents always come with a footprint or do sometimes you have to buy one separately? No. So it, it depends. Like some do, some don't. And the footprint is always a big, like that could be a whole conversation of itself because as you get these ultralight tents, you know, there's denier of fabric, which is the thickness of the fibers. Mm-hmm. Your human hair is like 20 denier. And most of the ultralight tents now have bottoms that are like 30 denier. Like okay. Really oh, light, like almost yeah. human hair thickness. So, wow. you know, in that situation, if you're like, hey, I'm going to get out there with a fine tooth comb, I'm going to pull every rock and every spiky stick and every perfect little thing. And I'm camping somewhere I know there'll always be soft dirt. You don't need a footprint. But mm-hmm. if you want to protect your investment and like really make sure that you're not going to punch a hole in the bottom of your tent or your sleeping pad, even worse, like it's kind of a good thing to have. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, they are heavy. They add a little weight. Um, one other bonus of a footprint, though, on a tent is that a lot of them have what's called like a fly pa- or fly pitch or like a fast pack or fast pitch kind of setting, mm-hmm. which double wall tent, you leave the inner tent at home and you literally just put the footprint down, mm-hmm. put the poles in the footprint and you put the fly oh, on the poles. Interesting. Right. So you actually, and this is yet another reason I recommend a double wall tent to most guys is like you actually have a floorless shelter when you buy a double wall tent. Oh, that's interesting. So more optionality. Yeah. So you can leave that main and that main tent body is usually the heaviest thing. Mm -hmm. So if you know there's good weather and it's really warm and you're not worried about mosquitoes or bugs, you can just leave that at home or not at home in the, in the car, right. And go up without it. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it's a good way to do things. So we already talked a little bit about weight um, waterproofing. So this in my mind is something that's not as important to backpackers, but so important to elk hunters. Um, mm-hmm. This is why I'm not a huge fan of the tarp tents and bivvies I've used for elk season. You know, a, a double wall tent or a single wall tent are both going to have what's called a bucket bottom, right? Which is like it's flat with mm-hmm. water resistant material along the bottom and it goes up like six to eight inches. Usually. Yeah. And that's going to keep you completely dry. No matter what, no water is getting in that, right? Mm-hmm. Versus if you're camping on the ground, no surprise, stuff can leak in, especially if you don't choose the right camp spot or you have to choose one because it's the only one around. Mm-hmm. Um, the danger of that stuff is that you know, if you get wet at night, it can be, there's days where just stuff just doesn't dry out, right? Oh, yeah. Like it just doesn't get warm. It doesn't get dry. And that, that can mean you're going back to the car. And so if guys are super hardy, they know their gear stuff well, like it's not as big of a deal, but like this is, that's also why I say go for the tent because it gives you the opportunity to dry yourself out and the stuff you've got. Uh, yeah. Not worry about getting soaked and then having to go back. I've never experienced getting like soaking wet in the middle of the night. Have you? That, that just sounds so miserable. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Even worse than that is getting soaked before the night and then going into the night. Like that's oh, a really my bad goodness. spot to be in. That's a dangerous, <laughs> that's like a hypothermia and that's a very dangerous spot to be in. Yeah. Did you fall asleep? Uh, I hiked around for about two or three hours, kind of beating my arms and legs. So I kind of built up oh, enough warmth um, yeah. and then got, you get to get completely naked in that situation if you've got wet gear, especially with a down bag. Mm-hmm. You know, and then 
that was it. And it's kind of shaking the rest of the night. It's just oh, wow. miserable. You're, yeah. su- you're surviving, but you are not happy. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not sure. a good situation. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I, we'll talk about this in clothing and stuff too, but I actually don't take any rain gear all cutting the vast majority of the time uh, because I like depending on my shelter. Mm-hmm. So most of the rainstorms in elk season are going to be short duration type things. Okay. They're, if they are there at all, they're going to be like these few hour type deals. And so I'll actually just flip out the tent, pop it up really quick and sit in it for like those two or three hours. Cause if it's dumping too, you can't hunt elk in that. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I'll literally, or I'll even just pull the rain fly out and did this last year, throw it over Margaret and I, and we'll just sit there laughing while the rain just goes crazy. You know, then the wow. rain passes, we pull the, t- the fly off, shake it out, put it back in the pack. Whoa. So your rain fight almost doubles as your rain jacket gear. Yeah, exactly. Dang. That's so kind of that, that option. Um, so what other stuff, you know, I don't, I don't want to go too straight down the list here. Um, weather resistance, a lot of guys, you know, another thing you'll hear about are like three season versus four season tents. Mm-hmm. You ever heard that term? Yes. Yeah, I have. Yeah. And so a four season tent is made for the fourth season, which is winter, right? Not mm-hmm. spring, summer, fall. Uh, and those are very different tents. Those are like ultra durable fabrics, insanely strong pole structures and things that hold the poles mm-hmm. and way, way higher bucket bottoms, way more waterproof fabrics. Basically they're going to be, you know, standard three season tent might be, you know, three to five pounds. Those will be anywhere from six to 10 pounds. Dang. They're heavy. I guess they yeah. need to be to keep all that water out, but it's the best pounder, you know, pound to five pounds you've ever added in your life like i was in new zealand with um a buddy of mine and we were camping up there and a place like new zealand you need it right mm-hmm. a place like new zealand or alaska like that the wind and the wet there is on another level it yeah blow in another tent it'll soak through it so you know all that to say like you'll hear about that and you really don't need that for the vast majority of elk season definitely archery Mm-hmm. But if you, you know, some guys might go October, November, December, you crazy nut. It's going to be freezing, but that's the only time you'd ever really need a four season tent, right? Okay. So for rifle hunters who are backpacking out there, you would recommend a four season? Yeah. It's usually a good idea. I mean, it's, it can be overkill if there's not crazy weather, but if you're in a storm, trust me, you'll want it. Cause the other thing yeah. is they're built to withstand snow building up on the outside of the tent and not collapsing in. Right. Yeah, I posted a pretty cool photo of that on Instagram the other day, um, which by the time guys hear this, it's probably be about a month old, but of my tent just covered in that eight inches of snow that night. And they can kind of handle it, but at a certain mm-hmm. point, three season tents just can't, right? Yeah, I heard that like if it's dumping snow really bad, you, you almost have to wake up every like hour, every couple hours to just shake off the snow or else it's going to pile up and like snap the poles. And, like, exactly. Collapse. Yep. You got to like, like what I did all night that night, you know, cold rushing adrenaline fear is never a good statement, right? But that's like, that's what happens when you wake up at 2 a.m. and you got 50 mile an hour winds trying to blow in your tent. Oh, gosh. Somewhere you know you can't walk out uh, in the dark. Yeah. Um, but you're just like pounding the top of that tent all night long, trying mm-hmm. to pop the snow off of it, right? That's, wow, that's a, scary because yeah. if it does collapse, then you're kind of screwed, right? Kind of screwed. I mean, you, uh, I've been in one tent that snapped a pole on a really gnarly night out fly fishing. Um, and you just stay in it. You let it collapse on you. You don't get out. You don't get wet. Yeah. Um, the unfortunate part is usually that the broken pole tears a hole in it or like the wind will oh. open a seam. So you just want to try yeah. to hold that with one hand 
or duct tape. Trust me, it was not a fun night. Um, wow. This is where, like, I'm not making these assertions, like, out of just, like, oh, this is what I think is best. Like, I've been there, man. It yeah. sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds miserable. You just got to ride it out. Oh, you got to ride it out. And you're, yeah. you know, if you're, I was fortunate, I was with my dad, and he's pretty mentally stable. I mm-hmm. haven't um, picked up on it. I'm generally pretty mentally stable. Like, we're both just like, haha, like, we're going to be fine. But yeah, yeah. You get into a bad mind state pretty quick of like, I'm going to mm-hmm. die. And if you think you're going to yeah. die, you might. Um, <laughs> so, so anyway, all that to say, the thing about weather resistance in a three season tent is that it's more about where you camp than the strength of the tent itself. Like if you were to carry something strong enough to withstand wind, you're carrying a four season tent, which is insanely heavy, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have a three season tent, you've got a camp like off of ridges or stuff somewhere in the trees, unless you're a hundred percent sure there's going to be zero wind and stuff overnight. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's more about doing that. Um, And if you've got a double wall tent with poles in it, you can be more risky. And that's another reason I like it. We talked about selecting sites, but if you've got that strength in the poles in the system, yeah, then you're like, I'm comfortable camping on the top of ridges in trees. And that way I can wake up and literally just look down in the valley for elk on all three sides the next morning. Right. Yeah. And do you mean a, uh, like a freestanding tent? Exactly. Like a freestanding yeah. double walled tent. Um, it's just, that's going to open a lot more options. If you've got something like a tarp, uh, so say you've got literally just a tarp and it's all it's doing is protecting you on one side and above you. Mm-hmm. A, you got to know which direction the storm's coming from. Right. Because mm-hmm. otherwise it's going to be blowing stuff in there sideways and getting all over you. And B, you definitely have to be up off the ridge because you're going to have a really cold night if there's any wind already. But it's really easy to blow down a tarp if you've got a square edge hit from wind at the top of a ridge, right? Yeah, yeah. What's the, this might be a little bit of a random question, but what's like the longest it's taken you to find a campsite? Oh, man, Uh, probably 45 minutes. 45? Yeah. Just hiking around? Yeah, and you're not, you know, I've got, there's two things I'll do. Sometimes I'll set up at like four, get everything ready, and then I'll go on the evening hunt. And there's other nights I'm just looking for a campsite as it gets dark. And that's really oh. annoying, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that wasn't like 45 minutes of me wandering around in a circle and I finally found one. That's me like looking at all the spots here and like, oh, none of this is going to work. And then hiking a fourth of a mile, nothing here. Like it was probably a half mile to three fourths of a mile of hiking. Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah. And it's really annoying, right? That's a lot of extra effort and time and energy. Yeah. In that situation, why did it take so long? Is it because you had uh, like a tent that didn't give you as much optionality or? We had a, it was, you know, with Margaret, it would, we had a two person tent. I don't mm-hmm. honestly though, I don't think I would have found anything big enough for a one man anyway. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. So it was just a tough spot. Some of the, you know, I should give you a little window into the country. I like to hunt and where elk are steeper, the mm-hmm. better, right? Just this nasty, steep, exposed stuff. Um, yeah. And you just get into those situations where you can't find one, but the one we did find was like on the saddle, fully mm-hmm. exposed. And so, oh. uh, you know, we couldn't have camped there with another shelter because we, it wasn't like settled weather. We would have been pretty worried about that. So right. again, this is yet another reason I'm always recommending this, you know, yeah. tent to 80, 90% of guys. And mm-hmm. let's like backing up with your stuff. People aren't wrong if they make another choice than you. Like I always want to make sure and tell guys that like, I know lots of na- big names on podcasts that do bivvies and do other stuff. And like for them, that's not wrong at all. They know the limitations of their gear. They've got the backcountry experience. They, you know, they know where to go, like their environment, that sort of thing. 
what is wrong is when you look at someone else's decisions and you're like, what's right for me is right for you. Right, right, right. right? And that's where you get dangerous. And that's why I always try to say like 80 to 90% of guys should go this way. Cause mm-hmm. like, there's always exceptions to the rule, but like my personal viewpoint is 80% of guys are going to do best with a double wall three season 10. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what are some of the other factors that are really important when considering a three season? You know, we've hit most of talk- them. Yeah. We talked about like the, you know, the capacity and support and that sort of thing, things that aren't as important. Um, we're kind of down into that realm. I think the strength one isn't as important again, cause it's more about where you camp, but it's a nice to have. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, durability, honestly, is something that's like not super important. Guys kind of look at me a little weird when I say that, but everything is so light. We already talked about the fabrics and how thin they are that like you have to get it away from trees and anything sharp anyway. Like got no matter it. what, so got to do that. And so like a 20 denier tent versus a 80 denier tent, like you're, you just got to treat them really well. Yeah. Oh, uh, so it's, so it sounds like when it comes to like strength and durability, um, it's more about picking the right spot to avoid needing the strength and durability <laughs> than actually sacrificing the weight just to have a durable tent. Totally. And then you guys will use that logic to say, well, then why not just do a bivy? Cause you're going to have to do extra Y, but you do get a little extra strength and durability out of a, you know, double wall tent, right? That's got it. It's like a good balance. It's a good balance. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you do package size of the tent itself. Like there's not, it's not like you really can say, Oh, I want the smaller one. Like the lighter and more expensive it is, the smaller it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But you know, stepping back a minute, the reason I'm digging so deep into tents and why I chose this is one of the only like four or five gear guides we're doing this year. And for like to mentor you on is that this thing, like this is one of the heaviest and biggest things in your pack, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's true. a big decision because you can get a crappy tent, two man tent, and it could be six pounds, seven, eight pounds. Right? I think you said yours is like eight pounds, right? Oh, uh, no. Mine's like six. I think it's heavy. That's heavy. Yeah. And you could get a top of the line one man tent and it's two pounds. It's like that four pounds. <laughs> guys, guys that hit the gym are like, dude, that's nothing. Oh, trust me, when you're backpacking, that's a lot of weight. That's crazy because you can carry three tents in with three of those light tents and yeah. with the weight of my one tent. Yeah. Gosh. And more importantly, like that, the weight and size always run together. So if mm-hmm. you're like your backpack might be halfway occupied by that giant tent. Versus yeah. if you've got a little tiny dink tent, it's going to be, you know, you've, it's just this little thing on the side of the pack and you've still got 80% of the room, mm-hmm. which is really where, you know, it all goes together, right? Like that's the thing about backpacking, everything ties together because you can mm-hmm. get a smaller pack if you have a smaller tent and you know, yada, yada, yada. Right, right, right. Yeah. And we can get a little ahead of ourselves here on sleeping bags. We'll, we'll do the dive on that another week, but you know, there's down versus synthetic sleeping bags. You know, the biggest problem with down is that it's not waterproof, but that being said, I still recommend that to like 80, 90% of guys. But if you've got a down sleeping bag, you probably want to make sure you get a more water resistant shelter. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. You see all these decisions kind of tie together where it's like, okay, well, I can get mm-hmm. a lighter weight shelter, but then I might need a synthetic sleeping bag or a bivy, right? If I got it down mm-hmm. or if I'm getting a super protected super, super protected uh, double wall tent. Now I can get an ultra light down covering because I'm not worried about it getting wet at night. Right. It's like they kind of, everything starts to blend a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's why, why I recommend that stuff. But when it comes to price, 
like there's there's always two strategies on price right like go big or go home and then like minimize mm-hmm. but the nice thing about a tent and the reason i don't say like you don't have to invest here per se because like you know what you're getting which is you're going to get 90 95 percent of the functionality it's just heavier if it's yeah less expensive right mm-hmm. so if guys are like hey i got a budget i really want to yeah, I can only spend like 200 or hundred bucks. Like that's fine. Like whatever, just work out harder, <laughs> you know? Right. 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 Um, but you know, the other side of that coin is like I said, this is the biggest area to save weight, one of them and space. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's all depends on your budget, I guess, but Got this it. is one area you can really skimp on price and get away with it. If you're fine with carrying more weight. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Would you recommend, because I know the REI garage sales, like backpackers and outdoors people love going to the REI garage sales. It's where I got my tent. Yeah. Is that where, somewhere you'd recommend for places that people to go um, look at options? Yeah. I, you know, my, my take on sales always on backpacking gear is like a sale price on something rarely changes whether I want it or not. So let me, let me back up. Like there's certain things where I'm like, these two options are both, both basically the same. This one might be slightly better. And okay, if I can get that one 150 off now, now I'll go get it. But that's mm-hmm. pretty rare, right? right. What's the worst possible thing, what, what everybody retailers want you to do is just like, oh, that's a bargain. I'm going to buy it. But like the, mo- <laughs> the most expensive thing, the only thing that's more expensive than buying something expensive is buying something crappy, realizing it doesn't work, and then going and buying the expensive thing anyway. Yeah, right, right, right. So if you know exactly what you want or you know two or three options that are good, I think those mm-hmm. sales are awesome. Because then you're going in, you're like, do they have the thing I need? Yeah. But the danger of those sales sometimes is guys go in and they're just like, what tent do you have that's cheap, right? Yeah. And uh, you kind of make a decision on the fly and it may or may not be a great decision. Then, right, especially yeah, with everybody you, rushing in there and grabbing all the things and at the garage yeah, sale. So Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, you save $300 off the MSRP, but you just wasted $200 on something you're not going to use. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I think they're, yeah, they're good with that caveat of like, if, um, and that's always mm-hmm. how I buy gear too. It's like when you figure out what you want and why you want it, you have so much more power over like, okay, this sale or that discount or this thing, right. You like really narrow down your focus. Yeah. Got it. So we covered the things that are important. I see you got a couple of things here that are not important. And one of them is pretty interesting, actually. Yeah. So two things I'm like, this just doesn't matter at all. Um, and one of those is warranty. So that's probably the one you're like, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. Um, reason being is that almost every tent manufacturer offers, you know, like a workmanship warranty, right? They have to, otherwise if you buy something and they did something wrong and you can't return it, like they're going out of business. No one's ever going to buy mm-hmm. again. So basically everything's even there. And then when it comes to uh, to other, there's really not a warranty like you get in optics, right? Which is like, oh, I dropped this. It's my fault. I'll take care of it. REI might be the only exception there, but even there, they've I know in the past few years, they've gotten a lot more stingy on that. Like they see a big tear in it. They're like, hey, you put that there. That's on you. Yeah. So that's why warranty doesn't matter is because nobody offers a warranty that's going to just carte blanche, take care of your tent. It's only if they screwed up when they were making it and everyone Got it. that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So warranty, not a factor. They're all not the same. a factor. And like, you just gotta, you really have to take care of these things. When you get into ultralight stuff, there's a lot of like super happy go lucky kind of ham fisted guys that just like get it. And they're like, I just tore, set it down at tour. And I'm like, yeah, well you set it on a super, super sharp log. Right. 
and mm-hmm. like hold it. <laughs> like, um, there's nothing wrong with that. Like if that's you, like just know it and own it. Go buy a heavier, more durable tent. But you just gotta, you have to be careful with these things. Yeah, because it's also when you're out there, it's not like it's not really about the tent. It's that now you ripped your tent, you've got to go back to the car. So you're wasting elk hunting time. Right. Yeah. How much time do you spend cleaning up the area? If you do spend any time on this at all, that you're going to put the, set the foot, foot uh, footprint down on. If I've got a footprint, I'll still spend a minute or two. Okay. Um, we like just, just go flatten it with your boots. Like just walk in it or. Yeah. Well, I'm doing two things. I'm one getting rid of sharp and stuff that's going to tear or rip it. Cause it can still do it through the footprint. Right. Mm-hmm. If there's enough, but also like there's lumps, right. And the sleeping pads help get rid of those but if you've got a huge one it's still gonna get through to you you know a good mm-hmm. tip like two tips before you get off of it one is always carry tenacious tape or something to repair your tent because like yeah. even a little pinhole can be in the fits in the right spot ruin your night it's gonna leak directly on you so like mm-hmm. that little tiny piece of tape can be the difference between you getting a bad night's sleep or not right so yeah. that's one and the other is that when you're sleeping pads guys use sleeping pads very wrong um they take them and they blow them up and they blow them up rock hard mm-hmm. and then they go sleep on them. And it's, it's like, no, you're, you're basically just sleeping on the, the rock hard ground. Like you just, there's no give to it. Yeah. You see them blow until they're like blue in the face. But the way I always do sleeping pad, I've learned over the years is I get on it and I let out lay on my side, right? Cause that's going to have your most pokey bit down your hip. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're back sleeper, you can just lay on your back, but whatever, you know, whichever angle is going to be the one that's got something sticking down. And then I just open the valve and let, let it out until my uh, hip is like almost touching the ground. Mm-hmm. And that really like messes with guys. They're like, Oh, but that's, you know, that's wrong. No, but it gives you the most suspension, right? It gives you like an inch or two of like give in that thing. Yeah. That makes right. sense. And I started doing that after you told me, and it really makes a difference. Same makes with the a pillow. difference, right? Same with, yeah, the same with the pillow. Cause I would, yeah, I'd blow the pillow all the way up and I'd test it out, put my neck on there and it, my head just doesn't sink in. Um, and then you let out some air and just let your head sink in a little and mm-hmm. just sleep Magic. way more stable. Yeah. It can be way the better. difference between a really comfortable night's sleep and a really miserable night's sleep. But the reason I bring that up is everybody's like, oh, well, you don't need to really get stuff out of there. You got three inches of you know, difference on your sleeping pad. Well, it's like, mm-hmm. no, if you've got it set up correctly, you're only a half an inch to an inch off the bottom off the of it. Right. And right. so, you know, I want to clear out those little things that are going to, oh, there's nothing worse than getting your your tent totally set up, staked out, totally ready, getting on there. And then you're like, oh, I got a rock right on my hip. Oh, yep. Happened to me yep. oh, many times. <laughs> so much work to go move that thing. Um, it's It just never works out well. So like an ounce mm-hmm. of prevention, if I don't have a fly, I'm probably spending five minutes at okay. least. Yeah, I'm going over it with a fine tooth comb. Yeah. Because um, it's just not going to, I just don't want to deal with that, right? Oh, you mean if you don't have a footprint? Footprint, sorry. I said a fly, yeah. didn't I? Yeah, footprint. If I don't have a gotcha. footprint, I'm really, really checking because I don't want to tear a hole in the bottom of my tent. Yeah. And what are you checking for? Like just um, little scrub like plants that are like sticking up, rocks, anything else? Yeah, it, it's going to be basically descending order of importance. It's going to be anything sharp, like uh, twigs and branches are really the biggest culprit of this. Every rip I've had in the backcountry, that's a lie, not every, but like vast majority of rips is from a sharp branch. Okay, like just a loose pants. branch on the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's always where they broke off, right? They've got some sort of sharp little uh, thing there. Yeah. And even if it's not obvious, there might be just one little tiny thing. Um, mm-hmm. 
so it's almost always branches i'm trying to get rid of then rocks mm -hmm. right and then really after that there's not much else they can put a hole in stuff but okay um Every now and then you get some super stiff pine needles. You know, obviously you're taking pine cones out of there, but you're just little tiny things. Some places, not really in elk country, but you can get stickers or thorns. Yeah. So you kind of that's really annoying. So you have to kind of turn the dirt around a little bit just to make sure there's not some in the dirt without you mm -hmm. being able to see it. But uh, yeah, not really an elk country consideration. Okay. Got it. Yeah, because I think I spent sometimes spend too much time like stomping down like little tiny plants and stuff that are yeah but uh i guess yeah. better safe than sorry though so i've been really careful i've never had a rip in my tent so yeah not gonna it's work. you know it's like two minutes to save a few hundred bucks if you tear it it's it's kind of like well you know why not yeah um color that's the other thing i'm like this just doesn't matter at all guys get really tweaky on color mm -hmm. uh, for elk but we've been over this in other podcasts i think but ungulates deer elk right cloven hooved animals they're dichromatic. They don't have a set of rods and cones. So they can't see the red, green colorblind, right? Mm -hmm. So they only, the only color they see really, really well is blue. And so you really don't want things that are blue um, or have like a variation of blue in them, like a deep purple or a, you know, grayish kind of color. It's got a lot of blue in it. Yeah. Um, and then guys are like, oh, you said color wasn't important. Why didn't you say no blue tents? Well, if you're doing a good job of keeping it somewhere that you're not going to get blown off the, you know, the face of the earth um you're in the you're in the trees you're like you know you're not going to have be somewhere where they can even see it right mm -hmm. so it just doesn't matter and i honestly like super bright loud colors because if someone's rescuing me they're going to find me easier or if like there's another hunter and he's like going into a base and he might see my tent and be like oh yeah i'm not there's a guy in there i don't want to come drop on his territory or something like that yeah yeah that's a good point that's a good point mine's like bright green most tents come in pretty bright colors right yeah, they, they tend to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just not a big deal. Um, just for two lay guys' fears, though, last year, uh, Josh knows this story, we were eating dinner by my tent uh, on a trail, on an elk trail, because I knew that they kind of came up and down it. Um, so I was intentionally camping right there by the creek, and two elk ran around. I ended up shooting one of them, and that was my elk last year. Yeah. Um, but they literally walked, you know, 20 feet from the tent, and the cow, when she spooked, ran around behind it, five feet away from it, and it brightened an orange, monstrous tent, and she never once even looked at it, right? So it's whoa. She pretty clear. And the bull from where he was standing couldn't see me, but he could see the tent. Mm -hmm. You just don't, uh, they don't see the colors, so don't worry about the colors at all. And they also just don't associate a tent with humans. Like, it's just a rounded object. They don't have that in their brain. Interesting. Yeah, and it's yeah. not moving or anything like that. Moving. It's not making noise, so... I've had elk in the middle of the night walk within five feet of the tent and not spook. You know, I've had elk bulls bugling all around me. They just don't, once you're in the tent, it kind of traps your scent and it, it's, it's just like this object that they, even if it's crinkling and making noise, they're just not that spooked by it. Whoa, that's so crazy. Yeah. No, it's yeah. A, when selecting camp locations, like you can camp within a few hundred yards of an elk. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of guys ask that question. That's part of the reason I love backpacking. We hit hit that on an earlier podcast, but you can just get right up there. And there's been whole days where I'm within 300, 200 yards of elk and I'm just waiting for the wind to shift or something. And I've got the tent set up right there. Mm -hmm. um, I'll sleep in at night. They might eat feed all around me during the night. And then I'll wake up in the morning and they'll be back down same spot and the winds will be good and I'll go hunt them. 
Whoa. Yeah. So I guess you just really have to know the winds because it just can't be blowing in their direction, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Inside of a few hundred yards, if the wind shifts, you're screwed. But yeah. Um, other than that, you're like, it's it's generally pretty good. I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd elect to do that if I wasn't forced to. Like I'd try to be at least three or 400 yards mm-hmm. away from elk. But even that is like surprisingly close for most guys. But huh. you really don't have to worry about it just as long as they don't see you or smell you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's most of the things as far as like what you need to worry about when selecting a tent. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make sense? You kind of have an idea of what you want to do? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think I'm leaning towards a, a one person tent um, because mine's just too heavy and definitely double walled, fully enclosed. Yep. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think uh, yeah. Go that way. And I would, that's what I'd sum it up for most guys. If they're going to come to me and say for 80, 90% of guys, especially ones that are newer, um, through this stuff, backpacking in general, like you're going to want a double wall tent. You're going to want a freestanding tent. Uh, you're going to want one that's uh, single man, unless you got a buddy, mm-hmm. right? And that's yeah. the good news about that is that that is somewhat of a mainstream approach. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be easy to find tents at REI. Like this is the one area where going to big box stores can actually be good because you can go get in them, try them out, look at them. Um, it's no big deal. So it's a fairly mainstream approach. The difference you got to know as a hunter is you've got to worry about vestibule space. You've got to worry about waterproofing and you've got to generally worry about, um, you know, how str- like, does the tent look like it's easy to blow over? Is it strong, mm-hmm. a little bit stronger, right? Um, so yeah. there's a few little things that are very different for hunters. Don't go into REI and have the guy talk you into why you need the bivy tent. Um, mm-hmm. You might wake up one night and really regret it. Yeah. And one tip I remember you telling me is like, cause I was, I was showing you like, well, look at this Kuyu tent. I think it's on sale. And you were like, you, I think you recommended me to just go check out the, the backpacking companies. Cause they've been doing it and making these a lot longer. Yeah. And the hunting companies. Yeah. There's generally not other than that vestibule space. There's not really things that are designed specifically for hunters. It's more about picking the right tent. Mm-hmm. So this is like boots where the best people in my opinion are not hunting brands most mm-hmm. of the time, right? Hunting brands, tents are usually me too. It's like something else they want to fill out their portfolio with because they've got these diehard fans. Yeah. Um, and I've actually seen tents. I'm not going to name manufacturers because I'll give you honest opinions of products, but I don't like throwing people under the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, but they actually don't even have... Rainflies are silicone impregnated and they've got kind of this finish that's going to make them waterproof. Mm-hmm. These guys literally just put a DWR coating on it like a jacket whoa and called it a rain fly and that's not even borderline waterproof it's just water resistant <laughs> oh, um, that's crazy and that's a fairly big name manufacturer that made their own tent so hmm. I, this is another one i'm like just go to the backpacking folks there's so much money in r&d there that it's pretty hard to beat them yeah um, yeah yeah maybe we talk maybe we talk a few tips and tricks just before we get off of like how to use tents and then we can talk like wrecks and like the ones i i recommend okay um just off the off the cuff for folks, but yeah, uh, the biggest one I tell guys when they're buying a tent is always always pitch it indoors before you take it out, mm-hmm. right? Because you have to be able to one figure out is this big enough for me? Because like we talked about, they overestimate this stuff, right? So you got to figure out like does this work? And you might also find some little quirks you couldn't see in the photo, right? You got the doors that might not line up that well. The vestibule might not be quite big enough. Mm-hmm. Basically, you can't return it unless you do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one. Um, but the other is that 
10 manufacturers, like the boot manufacturers we're talking about, is like, you just get the odd product that waterproof lining wasn't put on right. Something wasn't sewed well. Quality control wasn't great. You're the good ones. That's pretty rare. But like at the end of the day, these things aren't handmade bespoke in the US of A by master craftsmen, right? They're people Mm -hmm. that are just trying to pump them out as part of their job. And if you get out there and you set up your tent, you've got a hole or a seam that's got bad stitching and it blows, they're going to cover that because it's under the warranty that everyone has. But like your elk trip might be kaput, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it's It's a big deal. It's that saying nothing new on race day, right? Like nothing new on game day. Yeah. <laughs> like try it at least try. Don't let the first time you set up your tent be, be out there. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk a lot about why I always think it's a good idea is for guys to take a trip before elk season, no matter what, with all their gear, even if you're mm-hmm. not hunting, but this is like, even before that, it's like, look at it in your house. Um, the other one too, is that I know this sounds really funny, but some of the setups on these things are really difficult. Like the best tents are ones that are super simple and easy to set up, but some of them are like origami. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've been there, right? Yep. But if you don't know how to do it, trying to figure that out in the dark, your first night out is like nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah. Some of the way these poles go together and like, I've seen like the weirdest designs where the poles almost look like a Z with like a dash in the middle. And you're like, what the mm-hmm. hell? Like how, how does this keep a tent up? And yeah, yeah. Those are like the ones we rented from like our college and we went with our friends and yeah, we have yeah. no idea how to put it together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not, that's not a life threatening situation, but like say it's raining really, really hard. <laughs> yeah, good you're point. out there for 30 minutes getting rained on. Right. Yeah. Um, your gear's getting wet. Like just, just take the five minutes to figure it out at home. Um, the other thing is they'll include a lot of things you may or may not need. Right. They may mm-hmm. throw a lot of extra they might put 10 stakes in your bag and like, if you look at it, you're like, well, I only need three or four. And that's yeah. going to be like four or five ounces of weight. Like yeah, it's a lot true. of weight if they're not like good stakes. Um, yeah. And just dead weight too. Just dead weight. And there's also a lot of them come with like 30 stuff sacks. Maybe you can combine a few. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, there's like a trillion reasons why you need to take it out, check it out in your house uh, and go from there. Um, the other one, and I've been stung by this. Well, I haven't, but my dad has, is you can never, ever, ever put a tent somewhere that's like hotter than 90 to 100 degrees. Oh, so whether that's your car, your attic, uh, he had it happen in the attic. Mm-hmm. Like I said, waterproofing on these tents is usually a coating or a silicone impregnation of the polyester or the nylon. Mm-hmm. Impregnation just means it's saturated in it. And that's the point at which it can melt out of the material. Oh. And so if you look at every manufacturer's recommendations, they're like, you have to like keep this thing cool. And it's not because like there's anything special about mildew or that sort of deal. Although that's another factor. Always mm-hmm. buy your 10 out before you put it away. Um, it will literally melt that out of there and the tent will be unusable forever. It's broken, right? Wow. What about, so I've camped in my tent in Joshua Tree in the desert in May where it was like, it was definitely over hundred degrees for most of the day and tents just sitting there in the heat, like baking yeah. in the sun. Is that okay? Will it melt? That's generally okay. Cause what's happening is like, there's air, uh, oh, okay. airflow to kind of cool it a little bit. Yeah. Right. Like that's okay. But if you got a, I'm talking like a sealed compressed spot, like the got trunk it. of a car or a, um, like if I keep an extra tent in my car just in case something goes wrong, but I always put it in the back seat of the truck under the seat and I open the back, uh, little window. Mm-hmm. So there's always a little bit of airflow and it's never going to get to like 140 degrees in there. Yeah. Melting it. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, it's not like you have to camp only in certain spots. It's just when you're storing it, it's really, yeah. really important. Um, 
And you kind of brushed by that one other tip that I think is really important too. Um, like you said, when you come back from a trip, definitely want to air out the tent because that mildew. I haven't experienced it yet. Thank, thank God. But um, yeah, even in my tiny apartment, I had to like hang it over the bathroom and just at least like over the shower in my yeah. bathroom and open it up. But like at least, at least air it out because man, I think I can't imagine opening it up and being like all this mildew in there. That'd be nasty. Yeah. I mean, Can you it get will- it out? it'll genuinely ruin the tent and you can't get it out. And it also like, even if the tent's not ruined, it's not really safe and sanitary for you to be camping in that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I've seen plenty of guys. I know plenty of friends who have like, you'll go camp in their tent. There'll be all these black dots all over. And you're like, what oh. the hell? It's like, Oh yeah. mildew, dude. And I had to go out with a sponge and scrub it for like four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's put it this way. Waterproof material doesn't let water get through. So if you got water on it and you wrap it all around on itself, you've, created literally the perfect situation for mildew right so that's another great tip when you're out there during the day um mm-hmm. keep your rain fly a little separate if it's really wet at night like it rained or it's super condensed you know lots of condensation on it and you got going at 5 a.m and packed up your stuff then in the middle of the day you can just kind of pull it out spread it out let it dry off right and then you start the night dry and warm right versus you've got a lot of condensation in there already and it's wet you can get it on all your other stuff when you're setting up and mm-hmm. it can lead to a really cold miserable night yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's a good thing to you know, pull that out middle of the day but mm-hmm. yeah that's generally it i think man we've been going like that almost another hour out over an hour yeah. <laughs> just i guess on into these gear discussions but uh yeah rex for guys um again all this is on the website it's part of the yabakshipbowman.com the hunt elk in 2020 series or the gear guides just go look for them um so go you can go find it there and you can help support us too if you click through that it doesn't cost you anything but might give me a referral fee for all this research and help but for guys that want it now more than happy just to tell them you know when it comes to one person tents if you're not don't worry about any money you're like i'll just take the best at any cost the big agnes tiger wall ul1 is just amazing how much is that one it's like 300 ish bucks, 350, okay. I think. Mm-hmm. MSRP. You know, the thing about mainstream backpacking tents, you can almost find, always find a deal. Yeah. Which is nice. Uh, they have a Fly Creek UL, which was by far the, the most common one. The Tiger Wall is relatively new, but the, the Fly Creek is great, but you are making compromises. It's a one door front door shelter, it's got very little uh, vestibule space. Mm-hmm. It works, but you're, you're tight and cramped, right? it's not upright walls. Um, so it's three ounces lighter than the tiger wall, but you know, it just depends on what your trade off is, but both of those are really good options. Yeah. How about if you're a little more budget, budget friendly REI, this is one of the few areas I'm like, REI is a good company. They, um, they have a differing stance on the second amendment from many hunters, mm-hmm. but they do make great gear. So, um, kind of leave it up to guys, but if you're looking for a budget tent, the half down one plus they've got, is just, crazy for the price it's like 150 on sale 100 i can't remember it's like 100 oh for one person it's like 130 just stupid cheap for a tent mm-hmm. uh, it's not super light but it's got everything it's freestanding it's got a side door it's thick enough fabric like it's just a great great stinking tent for the price nice okay I think it's like four pounds so you know it's two pounds heavier but like whatever for two or three hundred bucks a lot of guys will find that to be a great trade-off yeah um Two-person tents, the one I'm using is the Big Agnes Copper Spur, HVUL2. It's a lot of acronyms. But that is like, I think that thing has won gear reviews from like all the backpacking sites for years. And I, there's 
I'm a hundred percent believer in why that's the case. That thing is unbelievable. I mean, it's tons of space for its weight. Super solid. That was the one I got through the night in when 60 mile per hour wins and still live through it. Yeah. Side door. I mean, every feature you want and it's like three pounds packed for a two man ton. Oh, wow. Crazy. Is, that the, is that the one on your Instagram with the, all the snow on it? Yep. That's the orange one. Yeah. That thing is, um, unbelievable i think it's it's not cheap it's like 450 you big agnes is a Dang. great company out of colorado uh, mm-hmm. man if you want to invest in a great tent i i like just tell people that when they ask me about a two-man tent and i just say get it like it's just yeah. phenomenal um it is super thin but all those are um budget option the rei passage too mm-hmm. again like i've gone big agnes rei on both of these which is pretty unusual that i'm only doing two brands but like they both just nail what they're good for right which is like the high end and the low end and there's not really an in-between with tents there's not really like a pretty good for 250 bucks it's generally mm-hmm. either or okay um like there's a lot of second tier ones that are not quite as good as the big agnes ones that you mm-hmm. might be able to find cheaper it's not a bad call okay um but yeah that rei passage two is just incredible um price I think it's like 150 with a footprint yeah for two person one so yeah cool those are my racks nice yeah tents one hour on tents and that's probably all you need to know yeah that is hopefully all you ever need to know about you know, hopefully we covered a lot of backcountry shelters um we didn't talk a lot about like tps like the seek outside ones the you know tarp tents and a lot of these other options just because i don't really want to steer the majority of guys that direction because i don't think yeah. it works well you know, if guys want to just shoot me a message and be like, what's your suggestion for this? I'm super confident or I'm a hot sleeper or, I'm, you know, whatever it is I want to experiment. Let me know. I'm fine. to always help out, but I don't like to put those up unless I'm sure that people, like I really take my recommendations seriously. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Sorry. My internet's cutting out. So sometimes it, it goes blank for me, but uh, yeah, makes sense. And then I'm pretty lucky because next time I see you, depending, I know you're still deciding on your tent situation, but maybe I might be able to pick up arrows and a tent for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, John, nice putting me on the spot on the podcast, Josh. That's good. Smart. No, but I've had this great North face tent. It's one man tent. That's really phenomenal. Probably one of the uh, strongest ones I've ever used and it's three pounds so it's not ultra ultra light but it's pretty light um i was telling josh i could part with it for like a hundred bucks i'm i'm thinking with me being solo with the lady this year i'm gonna probably drop down to one of these two pound ones Mm -hmm. and also i just love to test stuff so that's my problem always got something (laughs) new that i'm reviewing and putting up on the blog so yeah but no pressure no pressure at all i've been using mine for so long yeah the thing works if it isn't clear by the fact I'm talking to you for an hour about tents, we're going to take care of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. It's all good. All right, guys. Well, that's it for this week. We've already talked a ton. Um, a little more gear guide stuff next week or two. And we'll uh, we'll be back. BaxterBowman.com for all these. There's always an article with each of the podcasts, at least right now. Uh, like and subscribe. Please help us out for all the effort we're putting into it. And uh, always feel free to reach out. Shoot me a comment. Instagram, website, wherever the heck you grab me. Sounds good.